provide a brief overview of what service connection means for VA purposes? Sure. Service connection for VA purposes means three things. There has to be some current disabling condition. And it doesn't have to be totally disabling. You don't have to be like Christopher Reeves and be uh, thrown from a horse and paralyzed. But you have to have a current condition that limits you in some way. And you have to show that there was an event or illness or some other connection Exposure. to service. Pardon? Exposure. Yes. Some event in service. And then you have to have a medical link connecting what happened in service to your current condition. Those are the three elements of service connection, according to the VA. Welcome to the Victory Over VA podcast. A podcast about empowering veterans to overcome denied disability claims. Each week, we deliver critical insights to help you understand the disability process, veterans' benefits, and how to take control of your legal rights. Now here's your host, Tony Francis Jackson. Welcome to Victory Over VA, your guide to unlocking your disability benefits. This is our podcast on how to do the best of getting VA disability benefits. So welcome everyone. Uh, I'm Francis Jackson. This is Alexandra Jackson. And we are attorneys at Jackson and McNichol who specialize in doing VA disability benefits work. So who is this webcast for? It's for anyone who is interested in veterans. It's for veterans, spouses of veterans, children of veterans, folks who care about veterans. And today, we're going to talk about service connection, some of the ins and outs of service connection. So to start that, can you provide a brief overview of what service connection means for VA purposes? Sure. Service connection for VA purposes means three things. There has to be some current disabling condition. And it doesn't have to be totally disabling. You don't have to be like Christopher Reeves and be uh, thrown from a horse and paralyzed. But you have to have a current condition that limits you in some way. And you have to show that there was an event or illness or some other connection Exposure. to service. Pardon? Exposure. Yes. Some event in service. And then you have to have a medical link connecting what happened in service to your current condition. Those are the three elements of service connection, according to the VA. How does VA typically establish service connection for direct service connection? Basically, the VA looks at those three elements. They look to see what happened in the service. They look to see if you currently have a condition. And they look to see if you've shown a medical opinion connecting the two, or in some cases, a presumption that allows them to connect the two. And so we're referring to that as direct service connection. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that means that there are other types of service connection. That's true. What is secondary service connection? Secondary service connection 
is sort of a more attenuated approach to, um, to service connection. But say, for example, that you have a particular condition, say a problem with your back. And as a result of that back problem, you develop radiculopathy going down your leg, which is painful and makes it difficult for you to walk. The VA looks at this problem with radiculopathy as potentially service-connected through the fact that you have a service-connected back problem. So it's secondary to the back problem. So basically, it's if you didn't have the back problem, you wouldn't have this other problem. That's it. Okay. What are some of the common misconceptions veterans have about service connection, improving service connection specifically? Oh, there are a variety of them, but probably the, the biggest single misconception is that something had to become a medical problem during the time you were in the service, which is not true. All you have to show is that something happened in the service that later caused you to have the medical problem. Uh, and so for lots of people, there are various things that happen in the service that as your body ages or as you become more less able to adapt and function as you get older, those things become a bigger and bigger problem to the point that they actually rise to the level of a disability. Well, that makes sense for stuff like cancer. Obviously, if you, you know, get Agent Orange to the face, you're not going to immediately have a problem. That's true. Yeah, there are lots of, of conditions, unfortunately, that don't manifest for significant periods of time. Can you give an example of an unexpected condition that was successfully service connection connected and just kind of talk about the process? Uh, I'm not sure what you, what you mean by an unexpected uh, condition, but... What's something that would surprise people? told them about it. What about medication side effects? Medication side effects can be, can be an issue. There can also be uh, all kinds of strange exposures. There's a uh, base in, I think it's Turkestan, uh, don't hold me to that, but uh, one of the stands where it was a former Soviet army base and they handled a lot of uh, radioactive uh, material there and handled it very poorly. And there uh, is uh, uh, evidence that our troops, who were later stationed there after that country became independent of the USSR, have now developed radiation exposure type symptoms. And so that, that's pretty unexpected, I would, I would think. I, I would. I would also say, I think it was Penny's case, that the gentleman went blind from side effects of a medication for a VA service-connected issue. That's true. And I think medication side effects are one of the least talked about. That is true. In, in that particular case, what happened was the gentleman had a serious mental health problem, and the medications that he was on for the mental health problem interacted in very bad ways with the medication for his glaucoma. So he had to stop taking the medication for the glaucoma and as a result, he went blind. And the service took a long time to recognize that the one had caused the other, but they finally did and, and started paying him.
So you touched a little bit on this, but how does VA view conditions that manifest you know, years after service, but might be related to some sort of event or exposure in service? <laughs> they, they view them uh, very negatively. Unless you've got a presumption, <laughs> right? Right. It's very common for VA to turn down claims on the basis that they didn't emerge until years after the underlying event in service. And one of the things that we are constantly dealing with in many cases is the VA's argument that, well, yeah, he tweaked his back in the service, but that was just a short-lived thing. He completely recovered, and this back problem he's got now is due to old age, or it's due to a, an intervening injury in a car accident, or at work, or whatever. I don't know how many times I've, I've seen the VA turn down claims on that basis, but usually, if there's a legitimate claim, we can eventually make it work, although it sometimes takes much longer than one would think it should. I mean, going back to Asian Orange a bit, there is a while where you know, they've, they've got a specific government agency that they've paid to do all these studies on Agent Orange, and they came back with medical evidence that said high blood pressure, hypertension, was the same level of evidence as some of the presumptives, and they just didn't add it for years. Yeah, and that, that's all about the money. They were concerned that it would open up the door to too many claims, cost too much, so they just didn't do it. And, you know, we, we end up winning those. If you can show that the medical evidence for a presumption, the medical evidence for the condition that you're claiming, even though it's not a presumption, are the same, it's very hard for a board judge to turn that down. The RO will turn that down every day. That's board true. judges are a little, a little more aware of, of what that ought to mean. A little more sophisticated about it. Yeah. Are there specific criteria or thresholds to establish secondary service connection? Not generally. The, the kinds of place that you run into thresholds are like hearing claims where the VA will recognize that you have hearing loss but will say that it doesn't meet a high enough threshold of, of disability to entitle you to compensation. The uh, most, most claims, if you can service connect it at all, it will be compensable. There are a few cases where, like hearing loss, where you can have a service-connected claim, service-connected condition that the VA says isn't really causing any problems and rates at zero percent and gives you no compensation, but mostly... Sometimes they're wrong about that. Often. Yeah, but mostly it has to actually be having an impact on you to get to that point. That's right. I feel like that's also when most people make claims anyway, though. Is, you know, if it's not bothering you, that it's tends true. to happen to a lot of folks, is they'll, they'll end up with this injury in service or whatever, and they take a lot of ibuprofen for the next 10 years, and then suddenly it's bad enough that they're actually making the claim, right? That's true, but uh, take uh, your hypertension as, a, as an example. You can have hypertension that's bad enough to be service-connected, but without reaching the threshold where they will uh, compensate you. Um, well, because the, it's about where it is with medication, right? Or even uh, in some cases without medication, you know, it, it, it just isn't uh, at a high enough level to meet the threshold in the ratings. <laughs> Actually, this ties in really well. 
how do changes in medical knowledge and research influence VA's perspective on service-connected conditions? I know actually hypertension is one I was going back and forth with the VA about because the American Heart Association, I think it was 2017 now, put out new guidelines. The VA's guidelines hadn't been looked at since the 90s. Yep. So I'm getting all these records that say they had hypertension in the service according to the new standards. And according to VA standards, they don't. So the answer to your question is, very slowly, that's, that's how it influences. <laughs> but but they, they do eventually get there. I mean, if you look at Agent Orange, that's probably the, the classic. It took years and years before the VA was willing to recognize that Agent Orange caused anything. Exposure to Agent Orange caused anything. But eventually they started to acknowledge that, okay, if you got lung cancer, that was compensable. If you got diabetes, that was compensable. And as the medical base of knowledge has grown, now, as we were talking about, they're recognizing hypertension. That's, that's the latest. But, you know, it's, these things kind of grow by accretion. You have to have a certain volume of cases before you can have a study that that looks at those cases and says, okay, enough of these are related to this that there's got to be some causation here, and they start to dig into it. So it's, it's just a very slow kind of iterative process. Which means a lot of people have to suffer and lose out. That's what happens. Uh, what are the most common challenges for veterans when trying to prove service connection? connection? Especially for something that they're is, is unexpected as a condition, shall we say. Sure. Well, in my experience, the, the biggest problem is that there's not usually enough medical evidence tying what happened in service to the current problem. Not like a doctor's opinion or not enough like medical studies? Well, it can be either. You know, doctors' opinions tend to follow the medical research. Right. So, but usually it's, it's a, an issue of not having a specific doctor's opinion that explains how and why what happened in the service is the genesis of the current disability. Easily 90% of the cases that we have are cases where the person was turned down because the VA didn't accept the medical connection between the service event or condition and the current disability. Can you share a case where secondary service connection played a big role or pivotal role in the outcome of somebody's claim? I can. I have a gentleman who was service-connected for tinnitus, which is uh, uh, ringing in the ears. And everybody experiences tinnitus differently. For some people, it's a nuisance. For some people, it's just truly a terrible event, and, and they can't deal with it very well. This particular gentleman had a very tough time dealing with it and ultimately became very depressed. His rating for the tinnitus uh, was only 10%, which is the maximum rating for that condition. But his rating for the depression was 70%, which was high enough that he qualified for total disability based on individual unemployability and ultimately was receiving roughly $3,000 a month, which, So you know, payment at the 100% rating because of the unemployability? Right. And so, you know, even though 
his depression was secondary to his service-connected tinnitus, it really became the claim that drove the benefits. So with the evolving understanding of mental health, how does VA approach conditions like PTSD or other injuries of that sort when they're establishing service connection? Well, PTSD gets kind of a special treatment, but looking at mental health generally, it's the same three factors. You know, what happened in the service, what's the disabling condition now, and what's the medical evidence tying them together. But PTSD gets a special treatment in the sense that one of the requirements to have PTSD is to have one or more what the DSM-5 calls stressors, meaning events that are outside the norm of human experience and cause this particular difficulty with mental health. So in order to be eligible for VA compensation for PTSD, you have to demonstrate one or more of these stressor events. And one of the biggest problems in PTSD cases is often demonstrating the factual occurrence of the underlying stressor uh, because it's often outside the scope of the normal military record keeping. So for example, we had a case where, and I, I can't remember now whether the person was killed or injured, but this person was in basic training and there was a grenade accident and another person was either seriously injured or, or killed. Our client witnessed that and that was a horrific event that ultimately led to severe PTSD. But as you can appreciate, the other person's military records would show uh, the, the, in, the incident would not be in our client's military records because it didn't happen to him. And so it was difficult to prove that the event occurred. In fact, I think that's a case where we actually had to do a freedom of information request to the service department to get them to produce records that a person had at that time and place been, I've forgotten now whether it was injured or killed, in that way, and, and that then we could then prove that, that that a stressor event occurred and was the basis for his claim. The kind of big exception, if you will, to that rule about PTSD is that in cases where the PTSD arises from a, a, an assault on the person, whether it's a typical physical assault, you get beaten up, or a sexual assault, rape of a female service member, for example. Or any other service member. Or any other service member. You know, the VA recognizes that there is a high barrier to reporting those incidents for a variety of reasons in the military. And as a result, they will look at kind of secondary sources of information. So, for example, if the person was performing very well in the military, then this event is said to have occurred, and suddenly after that, their performance declined dramatically. The VA will consider that as a factor establishing the possibility of the, the assault and the stressor. And they also have a presumption for combat vets, right? That's true. 
if you were if you were in direct combat, they recognized that as uh, establishing a stressor. So, how do service members who've been deployed in these various global regions get service connection for unique conditions? You know, say they have a a cancer and there's no earthly way it's got a genetic basics, but they were exposed to something, but nobody else seems to be getting it. Well, you know, part of the problem with those, the, with the cancers in particular, is that you have to have a frequently occurring cancer in order for there to be enough basis in the medical records to establish the service connection. So, for example, Lung cancer is service-connected as presumptive from exposure to Agent Orange. And years ago, that was not true of stomach cancer. But what we were able to do uh, was to get the medical records showing this gentleman developed stomach cancer. He'd been in Vietnam, exposed to Agent Orange. and got a special report from a, an oncologist, a cancer specialist, who explained that uh, these records demonstrated that this person had stomach cancer and looked at the research and said, you know, these studies show that there is a reasonable probability that if you are exposed to dioxin, which is one of the constituent chemicals in Agent Orange uh, that you will develop stomach cancer. The, the problem is that, uh, and the reason that it wasn't presumptive at the time, is that in the civilized world they don't expose a lot of people to dioxin so you can see if you, can get, if you get stomach cancer. Yeah. But there were reports, uh, there was one particularly interesting report that came from somewhere in Scandinavia, Denmark I think, but it doesn't matter where a manufacturing plant had had a, an industrial accident and exposed a lot of people to dioxin. And the, the study had tracked those folks to see what diseases they developed. And one of the ones that developed at a relatively high rate, certainly much higher than the normal incidence, uh, was stomach cancer. And there were some other studies as well. And the collection of those was sufficient to allow the oncologist to say it's more, it's as probable as not that the exposure to stomach cancer led to, sorry, the exposure to Agent Orange led to the stomach cancer in this particular case. But there are others like glioblastoma, which is a rare brain cancer. It probably can be caused by exposure to Agent Orange and some other cancer-causing chemicals, but it's so rare that there's not enough volume of, of incidents to do a study to tie it back to a cause. And so some of those cases are very difficult. So the issue here is a combination of not only do you have to get enough people to prove that the cocktail, the mixture, causes this, but sometimes you have to prove that the individual ingredient causes that. Because yeah. you can't get enough proof that the cocktail does. Right. But, um, you know, with, with Agent Orange, for example, dioxin is the, is the primary cancer-causing ingredient. So you can, you can look at what does dioxin do to people as, as a proxy for what does Agent Orange do to people. So what role do VA examinations 
play in establishing or refuting service connection? They play a huge role. Generally speaking, if the VA regional office has a claim and sends that claim out for a VA examination, what they call a compensation and pension exam or a C&P exam, and the examiner finds that there is a connection between what happened in service and the current condition, the VA will almost always say that they agree that there's service connection and pay the claim. Now, there are rare exceptions to that, but generally speaking, that's a uh, pretty strong basis for uh, having the VA accept the claim. I think we've got time for one more question. So here's a fun one then. What is the most kind of unusual condition that you have successfully seen service connected? Most unusual? Hmm. <laughs> I, I know we've got a really wide array to choose from. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure what the most unusual one is, but I, I, I think perhaps the one I was just talking about, the rare brain cancer, glioblastoma. We had a case where an oncologist was able to look at the EPA records showing all of the contaminants they found at Edwards Air Force Base and provided a report saying that, in his opinion, the exposure to those chemicals was the cause of the glioblastoma that led to this gentleman's death, and we got, we got benefits for the wife. I think probably the most unusual one I can think of isn't really about the condition, but it's about the circumstances. We had a set of twins who both served, and one went to Vietnam and one went to Germany. And since they were identical twins, the doctor was able to write a report saying, well, if his identical twin did not develop this and didn't have the exposure, then uh, it's pretty darn likely that the exposure caused it. That's true. We, we've had that case. And with that, folks, we're wrapping up today's episode of Victory Over VA. So tune in next week. Thanks for joining us this week on the Victory Over VA podcast. Make sure to visit our website, veteransbenefits.com slash podcast, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show while you're at it. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like this show, you might want to check out our free consultation to see how we can help you with your denied claim. Simply go to veteransbenefits.com and fill out the form. You fought for us. Now let us fight for you. And be sure to tune in next week for our next episode.